Hey everybody, it is Evangelina with the Yona Pod, your newcomer to all things Yona. And as always, I am joined by my narrative foil. Am I? I, I guess don't know. You... I think we're too similar. Okay, in terms of wanting us of one of us knowing nothing and the other one knowing all the things, <laughs> it counts. Maybe okay, not personality wise. But in circumstances. Circumstance-wise, yes. Then I will accept that. Also, I have to admit that I've looked up what a foil is, like, many times. And I don't think that I understand it. I still don't. Anyway, I'm Alex. Hi. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just dumb. (laughs) No. (laughs) Literally every... That is a staple of this podcast. Is uh, (laughs) At least once every episode, Alex needs to ponder the question over whether or not she's dumb. She's not. But she has to ponder. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, for some reason, it just won't stick. I don't get it. We each have our things. I still can't figure out how to spell guarantee. I will go to my grave <laughs> not knowing how to spell guarantee. So that's what uh, autocorrect is for. And, exactly. And is for. I don't need to pay attention to it anymore because I know they've got my back. exactly (laughs) oh goodness also quite possibly uh we are trying video on this week uh so because we're hoping to upload to youtube so congrats you get to see our beautiful um shutting down at the end of the week looks um i am lounging on my bed which i actually do every podcast um, so I don't know if a teddy accidentally slips out of my dress. Don't mention it. And be grateful. <laughs> well, now that OnlyFans is shutting down, we need a new avenue for that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. Well, not shutting down. Also, they're just shutting sucks. out. Yeah, they're just shutting out all of the people that made them the company they are today. Because yeah, and like screwing people over. <laughs> yeah, because people are shitty about sex workers, even though it's real work. So. so yeah we stand with sex workers and that's fucked (laughs) yeah yeah also though there was one post uh on twitter that made me laugh that was talking about uh it was this like gotcha post that was like i mean it was a right rightfully a gotcha post about how like you can't build your platform on the backs of sex workers um and then shut them out and then it was like who's on Tumblr now? And I was thinking like, me, bitch, I'm on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. But still, yeah. The The point was a, a good one, but using Tumblr just made me laugh as one of the losers who is still on Tumblr and will always be on <laughs> Tumblr. It is my trash social media platform of choice. Yeah. Although it was more fun in the, like, Wild West days of, like, 2012 when you would scroll through and you didn't know if you'd see a titty or a dick just, like, out and about. Out there. Yes. Alex used to occasionally (laughs) critique weird porn, and it was a really fun pastime. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. But there are some, like, porn pictures that just make no logical sense, and it was delightful to be like, why are you naked, but you still have shoes on in your own house? (laughs) It's artistry. I get it, but I don't get it. (laughs) Those days are over now. Those days are over because, again, people got weirdly puritanical for sex. But alas, this has been Soapbox Corner. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wish I could do some snappy transition but there's no way I think to tie in sex work and fear of sexuality with the uh, possibly fun Alex doesn't think so romp that we get in these next couple of chapters slash episode well I can tie them together is it because I, I, I have theories on how you might but do it Okay, uh, speaking of other news this week, Lord and <laughs> released a new album today, and uh, <laughs> you look very confused. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Stick with me. So okay. I listened to it. I didn't enjoy it. I don't think I've ever listened to her first album. Is it Teams? Uh, Pure Heroine. Pure Heroine. Where the fuck did I get Teens? Whatever. I think she anyway. has a song on it called Teens. Okay. Possibly what I was thinking of. But anyway, her first album, never listened to it all the way through. I didn't enjoy this third album. So I think Melodrama is the only one that I enjoy. So I went back and I listened to that and I was like, yep, still good. I think it's the only one that I can do. But I got to Hard Feelings and Loveless and uh, there's a line in it. It's a very good song. And there's a line in it that says, I care for myself the way I used to to care about you. Yes. Ah, that's my favorite line. It's great. Right. But also extremely like Yona and Suwon. Is it not? It is. So that's my tie-in. <laughs> I thought you were going to... I was confused because I thought you were going to try and tie in sex work with this. And I was like, I don't know if you can make it unless you talk about one, Gunte being so sexy that he should <laughs> he should sell his body. Or talk about how Suwon would never because he's probably asexual. And I was like, little choppy, but I'm sure you can make it work. But okay, Dude, you want to do both are- Good options, but also I would subscribe to Gunte's OnlyFans. That would Absolutely. be nice. Absolutely. And I bet his wife would take like stylistic pictures and be like, no, she would. This way. <laughs> I have a lot of love for Yuna. We'll get into that later. She's the best. I love her. She's so cute. Yeah. Right. So speaking of Suwon, continuing my uh <laughs> my thread. Not that bad. <laughs> we have chapter 45, War Games. You ready to get into it? I am. Okay, so we open with the festival and the weirdest joke of an old man being grazed on by a cow. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm here for manga and anime just having weird cow shit. Like, um, <laughs> what's his face is three-eyed cow and then Yasha. Yeah. Remains, oh, shit. Like, what was his name? I know. It's gone now. And it makes me so sad because I loved him. And every time he showed up, I loved him. His cow with the fucking projector eyes. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you put a weird cow in an anime or manga, I'm here for it. Please do it more often. It was Todosai. Todosai. Yes. This is a Todosai Stan podcast. also and i will talk about her later but the mangaka who did uh full metal alchemist would always draw herself as a cow okay there's like a tradition i think of artists drawing themselves as weird animals instead of themselves uh i don't know if we've gotten to have we gotten to kuznagi drawing herself as like a badger or something uh i don't think so okay well, she draws herself as some sort of animal. I'm not quite sure what it is, <laughs> but it's cute. What would you draw yourself as? A cat, probably. I'm boring. Oh, or a platypus. That's my favorite animal, but I feel like I'm uh, more of a cat. I would. You would hate me, but I would be a raccoon because Disgusting. I have always identified with a raccoon. Gross. They're crafty and they eat trash. <laughs> Keep your little fingers away from me. I don't know if we've discussed this yet on the podcast, but Alex has a like primal fear of raccoons. Don't like them. They carry rabies and there's no cure for for rabies. I don't want them anywhere near me. They're too clever. They got little like human fingers. Like, do not like it. Uh, You're wrong. One day you're going to get attacked and you will see. And I will have no mercy for you. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever. Back into the safer realm of not the cruelly maligned trash pandas, but the cow that we have opened up on. Yes. So then we get into like the larger world of this festival. And so I kind of wanted to see if there was any like cultural significance to it. And I have no idea because I know very little about Korea post like I don't know I want to say like 1800 (laughs) I know a little bit about Japan in like 
the post-war era, but not very much. But I took a, an Asian history class. So we focused on like ancient, ancient history of mm-hmm. um, China, Japan, and Korea. So I know a lot about the time period that this is set in, but I mean, like, like music and dancing and stuff came secondary to uh, pottery and wars in my class. So I don't really know anything about music and dancing. But I decided I would just, you know, blindly Google and see if I could come up with anything. And I found a few things. I don't know if it's right. If you know more about this than we do, email us. That would be very cool. We would be very open to that. Um, But here's what I have. It is a working theory. So the instrument that one of the guys is playing towards the beginning of the uh, chapter looks like it might be called a danso or a danso. Uh, from Wikipedia, it is a Korean notched, end-blown vertical bamboo flute used in Korean folk music. It's just a clunky sentence, but basically you blow into it like a like an oboe. It was originally imported from China, where it's known as a duan chao. I know very little about Chinese pronunciation. I'm so sorry. Uh, also, the play range is two octaves from a low G to a high G. And for reference, the oboe has two and a half octaves, which you played the oboe in school, right? Clarinet. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that the clarinet existed. I thought they were the same thing because I'm stupid. Honestly, I would have been equally <laughs> terrible at the oboe. So they might as well be the same. No, you're right. They have different, they're both reeds, but they have different mouthpieces. Okay. Well, sorry. The oboe has two and a half. I don't know how many octaves the clarinet can do, but I'm sure it's, it's similar. I played the viola and that can get up to three and a third octaves, but I don't know about that last third because I feel like it would get really strident unless you're good, I guess, but I was not good. So I couldn't handle that. But yeah, so it's a, it's a little limited, but that's what it looks like it is. I mean, it's, uh, two octaves is still a lot. Like, you can do a lot with two octaves. So, well, As a non-musical person, I'll take your word for it. The dancing, which I know even less about, uh, might be called a talchum. Again, according to Wikipedia, Korean mask dance dramas are not just dances performed by masked dancers, but also include significant dramatic content with masked characters portraying people, animals, and sometimes supernatural beings. These folk dramas reflect the frustrations felt by the lower classes, show the life of the common man, and process social problems. Okay. Uh, So I thought it might further underscore how unhappy the country was as a whole after King Eel's reign and how lax Gunte is since he's cool with them essentially mocking him to his face because he's in a position of power. Mm -hmm. So that's what I got out of those first few like panels. I wanted to dive into it a little bit more because I don't have much to say about the rest of it. So then we cut to Suwon who is meeting up with Gunte and he is displeased with how he's dressed. Gunte is displeased with how he's dressed. Uh, he's got a bunch of jewelry on that serves no purpose. His outfit is wild too. Turns out his adorable wife, you know, picked it out for him. And his wife is also besties with Suan and they drink tea together. Yes. Uh, they're so cute. This is the first time we've seen Gunte's wife. I am deeply in love with her. Um, they automatically fulfill a lot of my fave tropes, which are consequently tropes that Yona and Hawk fill out as well, because again, we're keeping that those parallels. So they're huge guy, tiny girl. They are brooding boy, gentle girl. Cause she like literally, is there ever a time we see her and there's like no flowers around her? I think she's got the little anime flower background. Like she is the most happy, sunshiny girl, uh, possibly savvy guy, energetic girl, which is, um, I think, uh, there, I was looking into it, um, which you've got like a pragmatic, like straight man sort of character. And then this girl who's just super bubbly and way energetic. So I automatically love them and want the best for them. And I love that tough, grumbly Gunte wound up with this chick who's just like, you look so cute. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah. And I love that he just takes it. He's like, I love you so much that I will do this. I hate every second of it. But for you. Yes. And like later he talks like I'm jumping ahead. But like when he's like surprised that people like her tea, it's like last chapter he was basically like when uh, Judah was complaining about him giving him like a subpar tea. And he was like, no, my wife made it. <laughs> like, <but laughs> Yeah, he's essentially like, I'm the only one that can insult my wife. And he does it with abandon, but also like, yeah, very protective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's perfect. I love them. <laughs> yeah, she was a good introduction. Uh, speaking of her, Kuznagi's side note is about wanting to be Yuna is uh, hashtag relatable. She said, I'd, I'd have a wild husband everyone admired and I'd be able to spend my days working on hobbies. Sounds great. Yes. Uh, I think that was one of my notes that I chotted down for the anime about how she is living the life that I would want. Mm -hmm. It hurts to see other people living your dream. (laughs) She just wants to simp for her hot husband, be happy, and drink tea, which is all I want to do in life. (laughs) (laughs) As the resident tea drinker in this friendship, you awful tea hater slash coffee lover. It's fine, but coffee's better. I'm sure Gunte would agree with you because he's also not fond of the tea. I'm sure he would, which is why I will never get a man like Gunte because I feel like I am Gunte. I'm very like, I don't know that I'm gruff enough, but I feel like I'm mean enough. (laughs) (laughs) So another another part of Kusanagi's note about uh, Yuna is that uh, she introduced Yuna to give the readers a girl to look at since all she was drawing was old men. And it reminded me, bringing it back to uh, the Full Metal Alchemist mangaka, um, I think her name is Arakawa, or their name is Arakawa. Uh, they said, apparently when my neighbor's three-year-old daughter found out that I'm a manga artist, she said with a sparkle in her eyes, I wonder if she draws princesses and stuff. Sorry, little girl, I only draw grubby men. <laughs> so i love that they're both just like but what if i draw 40 year old men and just like put in whole chapters of 40 year old men doing stuff (laughs) i'm here for it it's valid she's like i write for a shoujo manga or a a short a shoujo uh, magazine i should probably throw in a girl or two (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the game breaks down to red versus white, Gunte versus Suwan. Every player has a dish on top of their heads. If they it gets broken, they're out. There's a lot of rules. Truthfully, it doesn't matter. Don't care. This goes on way too long for the lesson. Sorry, Kuznagi. I love you so much. <laughs> I, too, just skimmed over the rules because I was like, I'm not going to remember this shit. <laughs> I've seen the anime multiple times and I've, well, this is the first time I'm reading this section, but I couldn't tell you the rules. I don't know. I, I really I, couldn't follow. Like, who I think I, I think I followed it finally in the anime. It's like a rock, paper, scissors, essentially. It is. Yeah. So finally, an interesting point is when Gunte chats with Judo about who Su- how Suwan has no gusto when it comes to fighting, but his childhood friend, the Thunder Beast, sure did. According to Gunte, Hawk was a genius. Warriors sharpened their skills through battle experience, but he had the power of a thousand men without ever setting foot on a battlefield. No one speaks of his majesty's skill, though, or his lack of it. And then he says, if the Thunder Beast is a tiger, his majesty must be a rabbit. And Judo puts him in his place and says, your eyes were distracted by the tiger and his power to rend the earth, but you're oblivious to the nature of the man you dismiss as a rabbit. Also, fun fact, I have, I actually did a little research this time because I was curious about the rabbit and Japanese motifs and culture. Uh, and what it can possibly symbolize. Um, and so things that they symbolize include that there's this idea that they only drive on forward and don't step back. So they are considered lucky and symbolize advancement. And they are also a symbol of cleverness and self-devotion and ambition and are often... Uh, So they're usually good figures in Chinese folklore, but they also have another side in Japanese culture where they are often seen as tricksters. 
Ooh, how interesting. Yes. So ambition, uh, societal advancement, tricksters. That's all pretty apt for him, to be honest. Yeah. So don't be dissing rabbits, Gunte. You're about to get your wagon fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. He is not expecting the rabbit to, uh, to societally advance past him. Uh, okay, so the event is about to start. The event has been named the Red and White Dish Smashing Battle. It's a terrible <laughs> name and everybody knows it, but they couldn't say anything about it because Suwon named it, which just more underscores him playing dumb, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the battle starts with Suwon on the front lines. Gunte advances and Suwon runs away. When Gunte is shocked and thinks Suwon's being a coward, others from the White Army, aka Suwon's side, rush up to Gunte. Instead of attacking, they say they want to be taken prisoner. They're earth people who got conscripted into the wrong side of the war and don't want to attack him. And he's like, that's bullshit. Give me everything you've got. So yeah, while he looks great in battle, he's in his element. Suwon looks ridiculous running away from the commoners in the game. And then Gunte and Judo face off. While they're fighting, Judo points out that Gunte's been distracted by him while things are happening behind him, which is basically like another reflection of the earlier conversation about the rabbit and the tiger. And then Gunte's own people accidentally get each other out while they're going after Suwan, who is saved by slipping and falling. Isn't that lucky? Uh-huh. And then Suwan makes a move, and Gunte steps in to stop him. Suwan finally looks sharp and knocks one of the other players' wooden swords out of his hand. It just barely misses Gunte, landing right in front of him. Gunte is shocked and mildly aroused. Yeah. (laughs) He's into it. Uh, And he thinks, he was looking at me. Was he aiming for me? Is he a rabbit? And then in my notes, I just have, is the tide shifting? And so uh, that's the end of the chapter. And we got discus comments this time. I love discus comments. My favorite thing about the discus comments. Okay, I was telling I was telling you about this, uh, but for listeners, I love at the end of the like reader that we use. There are comments, and they're almost always. I mean, okay, so when it comes to Suwan, they are polarizing (laughs) but when it comes to literally everything else everybody's in agreement and they're like i love this i love this like everybody can agree and then i was reading this i was reading snow white with the red hair and they (laughs) no one could get along and no one could agree and it was the wildest shit show and it was so (laughs) enjoyable and i mean both are really good for like opposite reasons but it is (laughs) it is nice to like scroll down to the discus comments and see people being like oh that was cute or that was so funny like because you're like oh yeah we're a little community you know we all sort of think this i think it's fun it's cute so discus comments they will get better as the story goes on as people like get into it more but for this time uh discus comments are he's a genius and then somebody else said that they hate suan so polarizing yeah (laughs) okay so then chapter 46 paving the way Though the Red Army is up in points, everyone in the audience looks worried about Gunte. Dust is kicked up. Gunte is disoriented and tries to figure out strategy. While he does this, he gets attacked by one of his people who says it was Suan's idea. The king said, you respect brave men who challenge you. To which Gunte thinks, he knows how to manipulate my subordinates. So it's finally starting to come together for him. Two whole chapters of slow burn. Building for this payoff. Suwan is not dumb. He's been listening and learning and letting Gunte underestimate him. And Gunte is finally, like, catching on, basically. Okay, so I was trying to figure out why I hated this. And I felt like it was because Suwan did the face heel turn thing too many times. But as I was rereading and I was rewatching, he doesn't do it that many times. He only does it maybe, like, twice. I think where I'm having trouble, though, is that Gunte's the one that does the like heel face turn, basically, um, where he's like, is he? No, he can't be. He's stupid. Is he? Smart? Yeah. No, he's stupid. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I got that, too. Yeah. But it's fine. So he is sort of starting to figure things out uh, and he realizes Suwan isn't running away at all. He's actually leading his opponents into a trap, which is kind of a cool thing. I, I do have to give them props for that. That's kind of a cool idea. 
Mm -hmm. Finally, we're to a showdown between Suwon and Gunte. <clears throat> Everyone else on the red team is out. It's just Gunte and he is surrounded. He thinks the rabbit who fled from me suddenly looks like a hawk relentlessly pursuing its prey. And he thinks this is just a game, but that doesn't matter. Something else is going on here. This is no longer a game. This is a test to see whether I can truly serve the man who rules my country. One, there's more bird uh, metaphors, which is interesting. I would like us all to note that for future reference. <laughs> and then um, it's kind of fun that the tables have turned now because he started out thinking, is Suwon good enough to rule? And now he's like, am I good enough to be under Suwon? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Suwon proposes they revive some red team soldiers, but Gunte refuses because in real battle, there are no revivals or second chances. He'd keep fighting against a thousand enemies. How could he save the country if he was more worried about his reputation? And then Suwon smiles and basically says, bring it on, and they fight. Suwon trips on his cloak. Gunte smashes his disc basically by accident, and the crowd goes wild, but Gunte's like, no, that's not the end. What the hell was that? Because basically he's like, you did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. He convinces everyone to keep going and is obliterated. And the red team loses, but they walk away with the most points, so they win. For some reason, I don't know where I got confused. I thought for some reason that, like, he accidentally smashed Gunte's. I don't know. Never mind. Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah. no. They they definitely smashed Suwans, but I was still confused over who won. Because I was like, how did they get obliterated but still have the most points because I thought that was the whole thing was Suwon had gathered a lot of I don't know I don't know it doesn't matter it, it really doesn't matter but they do mention I mean Suwon walks up to some of his people and he hands out dishes and he's like hey look I'm reviving you let me give you a few more dishes so I think there's a way like being um being kinged in checkers that you okay. can come back or like bring in pawns or something like that but yeah, it wasn't clear. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the next day, they're chatting. And Gunte asks what the point of Suwon's visit was. All he did was amuse himself. But Gunte felt like there was more to Suwon when they were fighting and is deeply confused about the whole thing. Bless this dumb man. Because again, he goes back to being like, oh, but I don't know. Maybe he's stupid. Like, Gunte, bud. <laughs> five times. So then, you know, pops in to say wait is it you know or you know it's a you know you know oh i made a typo in my notes earlier sorry <laughs> <laughs> you know pops in to say merchants from kai are interested in buying her tea suan turns into a marketing expert out of nowhere and tells her <laughs> not to sell it too cheap because if they can make it a real luxury it might boost tourism uh, and then someone else barges in to say that they don't have enough mine workers to meet demands. People are going wild for the stones Gunte wore around his neck during the mock battle. Gunte, of course, assumes that it was all, you know, being a genius. Uh, but she says she just served the tea to the people Suwon pointed out and that it was his idea for them to wear the stones. So Suwon slipped away at this point and is on his way back to the palace, presumably. And it's confirmed that he did plan all, it, all of it. He said, I quite like General Gunte, and I want him on my side. If we ever really had to go to war, the Earth Tribe's soldiers would likely fight with more spirit than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And then we cut back to Gunte, who's finally figured out that Suwon is playing dumb. He says, thanks to you, Chishin will prosper, you idiot. Which I find <laughs> <really> <laughs> Uh, and then he thinks Suan might be even more intimidating than Yuhan. And his final lines are, he seems quite promising. Can I expect great things from him? Who can say? But next time we meet, that will all become clear. And the last shot is Gute watching a bird fly, fly off. And maybe it symbolizes that hawk that Suan became to him in his mind instead of the rabbit. Dun -dun. I completely missed the hawk, so I'm glad you pointed that out. Ah, I only noticed it because somebody pointed out something really interesting in episode 24, I want to say, about birds. And I was like, oh, cool. That's really interesting. So I have uh, been keeping a, uh, an eye on birds throughout this, this first section. Put a bird on it in every aspect of your life. <laughs>
And then, yeah, one more discus comment. Uh, well, two, actually. Uh, they're basically boiled down to, I hate him, and I want more Suwang. So, still polarizing. God bless him. God bless him. I mean, we're, we've he's been polarized with us, even. So, he, we true. love a bitch who's consistent. <laughs> yeah. I did find it. I was... Um, skimming tv tropes uh to see if i could call suwan a certain thing and decided i couldn't uh i did accidentally get spoiled for something i will share with you after the podcast what i got spoiled for all right but it did mention obfuscating stupidity as one of his which is of course playing dumb and apparently it is different from crouching moron hidden badass because uh, apparently in Crouching Moron Hidden Badass, uh, they're just genuinely like that. Like the moron part of them is like genuinely part of their personality. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, yeah. And so the difference is in obfuscating stupidity, that ditziness is an act. It's not who they truly are. Yeah, that's basically his entire personality right now is just obfuscating stupidity. <laughs> yeah. All right, so are we ready for the anime? Did we cover everything in the manga? We sure did. Cool. I think my first comment is that Yuno is really cute and I love love because I think she and Kunta are even cuter in the in the anime. Yeah, they are. I loved watching them get animated. Yuno is voiced by Alexis Tipton. She is Rona in Snow White with the Red Hair, the Rona is a huge Obi Shiryuki Shipron deck and a girl after my own heart. <laughs> also, if anybody out there is interested in Snow White with the Red Hair and you want a thick wreck, there is an incredible series. I think it's called The Snowdrop, but I'm sure if you Google that, that will come up. Uh, but it's so good. And she comes in in the like third installment of the series and she's super fun. <laughs> but yeah, holy shit, I cannot stress enough that the snowdrop is great it goes into like a sort of au situation where um there's like political intrigue and there's like a uh terrorist group that takes over tambaroon um so uh zen has to like (laughs) i mean he doesn't have to but he sort of dons this um this like undercover act and uh he goes in as this um this vigilante called the snowdrop to go save like people that the the terrorist organization has targeted. Um, and it's obviously with Obi's help because he's an actual assassin and spy. And uh, so they tag team it so that nobody can really identify the snowdrop. Um, and meanwhile, Shiryuki, who is the point of view for most of the first story, uh, knows nothing about this. She just knows that like Zen has broken up with her and everybody thinks that everybody's like um, looking at her sideways because she's from Tamperoon. So you know, everybody's like, are you part of the terrorist organization? And they kind of shunned her and she's all sad. It's very angsty. And yeah, it's fucking good. It's so good. I read it in like two days. I like read it at work. I couldn't stop. (laughs) But that is my rec. Also, she is Kaguya in uh, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, which I just started this week. And also Ian Sinclair is the voice of the uh, narrator and he makes some weird choices and they're so funny. Everyone is great. Also the like love interest in that is uh, the voice of Kakaru, who is my boy. So like the voice acting is good. The jokes are incredible. The plot is not my favorite, but that is okay. That is okay. Also, Ian Sinclair, for those of you who don't remember, voices Gija. Right. And he also uh, makes some weird, funny choices. So if you like his, like, off-the-wall comedic choices in Yona, you're probably going to really, really enjoy Kaguya-sama. If you're looking for an anime rec. Speaking of comedic choices and the anime, I did laugh when Suwan ran away from the army the first time, this weird like noise he made <laughs> was really funny to me. Okay. Yeah, that didn't work for me. <laughs> it didn't work for you? I thought it was funny. It was so ridiculous. It was funny. Yeah. 
It was it was super ridiculous. But I don't I don't I don't like when Suwon gets silly. That's my thing. Like that's uh, my least favorite part of his personality. And that's his personality. I get it. So like I can't be mad at that. But why do you but... love him so much? I hate this thing that is like central to you. I know. <laughs> I just really like him in conjunction with Hawk and Yona. I find their dynamics really interesting, but I guess Suwon himself doesn't really do it for me. But I do like when he gets clever and when he gets serious. You need to bump him down your character list then if you only like him in conjunction to others. (sighs) Yeah, probably. All right. So then one of my other notes is that Gunte simps for Hawk and honestly, same. (laughs) (laughs) he just loves that boy yes although i did like they made a subtle change in the anime where in the manga they say that you know he was skilled without ever having set foot on a battlefield and in the anime it's he um he rarely stepping on the battlefield so he at least had some experience which again makes you know we talk about hawk occasionally being overpowered i think it's a little less ridiculous that he's so talented if he's at least been on the battlefield a couple times so i liked that change um i don't think that the anime has that right because I don't know that this is a spoiler. Do you know do you know when King Eel took over took the throne? I do not. Okay. So then I'll leave it. But I don't think the math checks out. Gotcha. As far as he wouldn't have been old enough to be in battle, you're saying? Right, exactly. I'm pretty gotcha. sure I mean, okay, whatever. I'll just spoil this. I'm pretty sure King Eel took over when he was like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. Gotcha. So he would have There's had the no camp. way he would have been out in battle. Gotcha. Unless there were like residual battles that he went into when he was like 12. Okay, but how did he even gain a reputation as a Thunder Beast then? Hmm. That I will not spoil because we do get that information. Okay, okay. I'll refrain on calling BS on his overpoweredness for now. <laughs> But with the variable currently given, I like it better, the idea that he's maybe been on the battlefield once or twice. No, I'm sure that's why they added that in there. They were like, yeah, of course, that makes more sense that he would be semi-battle hardened. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, it makes sense if they were if they were making this anime in 2015, this started in 2009. That's been like five years, I would say maybe maybe three or four arcs were probably done by the time they were writing this first one. So I don't know that that information had been like divulged yet. I had a point to this. <laughs> Where was I going with that? I don't know. Your thing was, I don't think that anime has that right, which was super intense. <laughs> well, I'm like 99.9% sure that it's wrong. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so maybe they just didn't have that information and they were like, mm, he is really overpowered. We need to make this make more sense. And that's what mm-hmm. they came up with, which makes sense. Oh, oh, I remember what it was. Also, he gave that like vague thing about going to Awa with um, with Moondock. Yeah. And he didn't say why. So maybe it was like, oh, we went for, you know, battle training or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else I have. It's nice to be reminded of the fact that Suwon could hold his own against Hawk when he holds his own against Gunte, obviously. Um, so, yeah, Suwon and Hawk sparred, and he didn't die when they fought after the coup. So it's kind of cool to be like, oh, yeah, he was basically trained by the Thunder Beast himself. Of course, he can hold his own against Gunte. It's nice. It's continuity. Uh, and then I have, okay, I figured it out. It's too narration heavy. So I, I figured it out earlier in this episode, just like finally in the episode. But when I was watching the anime, the other reason that I figured that I didn't like it is that it gets really narration heavy. So, um, oh, like with the announcer having to describe what's going on in battle and no, not that I liked that because that was fun and also a joke. (laughs) (laughs) 
Side note, I did really love the joke of on the other side is Suwon, or, or His Majesty Suwon, and everybody gets quiet and he goes, oh, was I not supposed to announce that? Whoops, hope he doesn't get assassinated. It's <laughs> yeah. a great joke. I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, he like he narrates in his head every time he has a thought of like, oh, is Suwon smart? Oh, oh yeah. no, he's dumb. It's my same issue with Demon Slayer. I just don't like it. Yeah, I was thinking, I'm thinking that too. I don't like it either, which is weird because it happens a lot in Demon Slayer and I actually like Demon Slayer, but I had to like consciously put my hatred of that aside (laughs) to enjoy (laughs) Demon Slayer. That's fair. Maybe I'm just super sensitive to it. I don't know. I just don't think you need it. Like if you're going to do something, just do it. It's not needed. Tell us that you're doing it or what you're thinking at the time. It doesn't matter. But to each his own, Demon Slayer is, like, fucking insanely popular. So what do I know? Um, And then, yeah, more confusion about the winner. I don't know what the fuck I was on. I don't know why I thought they flipped the winners. <laughs> uh, I do kind of think it's more obvious what Suwan is doing in the anime than in the manga. Because he's like, I don't know if they say it in the manga, but he's like, your people are going to watch you lose. Do you really want that to happen? Um, I like that. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, final thought is that they changed the last line to Gunte saying, I guess I won't know for sure until I see him in his element. Which isn't as fun. Similar ideas, but uh, the manga was like, yeah, I'm going to see him one more time like basically it's just setting things up and mm-hmm. the anime is more like mm, i don't know if we'll get this mm-hmm. which is fair because we don't get which this yeah anime. i was gonna say i was like well they never there <laughs> uh poor anime okay well those are all my comments for the anime did you have any um i think i had just one more which was that uh Gunte and judo need to fuck (laughs) (laughs) uh bold of you to assume they haven't already yeah they are it's really apparent in the anime them snarking back at each other and just being so annoyed with one another like that bit where they're facing off in the mock battle and judo says you're not even a real king it's like Gunte is basically like you want to fuck me so bad it makes you look stupid like (laughs) uh that is their vibe and you know would probably be down for it honestly so yeah i feel like she would be down for it I don't know that Gunte would, though. I feel like he's like a wife guy through and through. And he's like, I'm committed to you. I can't have a third. But pre, you know, never know. Judo is a good looking young man. He is. I love that. I don't think that at all. But <laughs> yeah, they just... Uh, the- the, the level of, like, petty snarkiness always yeah. seem, yeah. always translates a sexual tension to me. So I'm down That's for it. Fair. It is my favorite type of romance to write in fan fiction. I'm like, ooh, who can I, <laughs> who can I write hating each other until they fuck and even then, like, sort of still hating each other? <laughs> Which is why it's wild to me that uh, friends to lovers is your favorite trope and not enemies to lovers, because I know. I just don't. I don't know. A lot of things make me uncomfortable. I mean, like, I, yeah, I've been on record as saying, like, Kyo and Toru make me uncomfortable. And they're like, they get super healthy and communicative. But the way they start out just makes me really uncomfortable. And I feel like a lot of enemies to lovers is a little too mean. And maybe I'm Mm. too sensitive, but it's just like, I don't know how people can come back from that. I feel like I would hold a grudge forever or be like, oh, you still think of me that way, which is stupid because obviously they don't and like opinions can change, but only my opinion can change. No one else's opinion can change. (laughs) (laughs) But I 
like when they're friends and they're nice to each other. And they snark a little bit, but it's good naturedly. And when they hurt each other, they apologize. But it's fine because there's a like deep understanding and love there. So it's like you hurt me, but not on purpose. Whereas enemies to lovers is you hurt me on purpose. <sighs> I'm a sensitive soul. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Reddit comments this week. Uh, Sleep Noir says, I am loving the Suan characterization. The past two episodes have shown us that he's actually been a capable king so far. I can't imagine the show ending, ending without Yona retaking the throne with Hawk, but will that really be what's best for the Koku kingdom? And then Vitro responded, Suan usurped the, usurped the throne through conspiracy and murder. That's going to bite him in the ass one day. Kings like that don't wind up dying of old age. And then Shiri Tora said, me too, to the point where I keep forgetting he's sort of the antagonist of the story. Um, so, yeah, more confliction, but also somebody else had basically the same point later. Yeah, there was a point on TV tropes when I was looking through, trying to skim through his character list and somebody listed him as big bad. And then with the caveat, well, as much as the series has one, <laughs> like. Yeah, he is. For now, for right now, he is the big bad, but it is interesting how they're, like, not letting him get too bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Humanizing. Uh, okay, so just answer a question said, the mock battle seems to have a lot of sub subtleties woven into it. I particularly like near the end where it seemed Suwan was trying to teach the general a lesson. Overconfidence leads to defeat. I'm not sure at the end of the episode that he learned the lesson. I don't think he was trying to teach him a lesson. Um, what did you get out of this episode? I mean, just... It kind of came in with a built-in lesson of just, like... You know, I... How do I want to phrase this? It's not... I don't think it was taking or teaching him a lesson in terms of, like, I'll show you sort of way. It was just, like proving himself a capable ruler and through that Gunte realizing that he does have a lot of influence within the kingdom, which Suwon himself says, like, I want him to know like the power that he has. And then just recognizing that Suwon is in fact a capable leader and there's more to him than meets the eye, but it wasn't like a sort of like gotcha at Gunte. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if there was a lesson, it was basically like, don't underestimate me. I don't think he was trying to teach him that overconfidence leads to defeat. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that. So that was an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to get out of it. I wanted to see if maybe you you got what they did, but I don't think so. Yeah, nope, not necessarily. Not to say that it's wrong, but not to say that it's wrong. That. I mean, that was also sort of a lesson. I guess, but I think it was it had less to do with overconfidence versus underestimating Suwon. Like, don't underestimate me, not don't be confident in yourself. The final comment from Reddit that I have is from Chris Sports One fan. Sorry, I probably butchered your username, but whatever. Uh, this was one of my favorite episodes the first time through, and it was as great as I remember it. I love how the show never lets Suwon fall into the typical villain target of revenge role, which would have been very easy considering he killed Yona's father. He's more like an anti-hero. Honestly, I think this was my favorite episode so I've rewatched so far, or at least one of them. So yeah, a lot of trying to label what Suwon is because people are like, mm, I don't know that he's a villain. Yeah, I want to say anti-villain popped up on his tropes page, too. Ah, yeah. So I think the difference between anti-hero and anti-villain is that anti-villains sometimes do good things, but they're ultimately bad, and anti-heroes will do bad things for the greater good. Gotcha. Yeah, I had skimmed over that one, so I didn't pay attention to it, but that makes a lot of sense. And again, I was trying not to spoil myself for things and then managed to do so anyway. That's smart. Stop looking at yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> I only got one, thankfully. If you guys actually want us to be able to do spoilers, we could do spoilers. Just tell us. 
I don't know if maybe this is annoying for people or like, I feel like the people who have found our show have all been like, yeah, I'm totally caught up. Like I'm super into this. So I don't know how helpful the no spoiler things is, but um, if you like it, tell us if you don't like it, tell us (laughs) we can get rid of it at any time. She likes spoilers and I can always talk about things in the future. I have so many running things of like, Ooh, this is a cool like thread beginning here that we'll see pay off later. So yeah, reach out if you want to. And I think that's the end for this week. Do you have any final thoughts before we get into uh, next week? Oh, how did I, how did my predictions do? I think, I think I want, I, I think my prediction was a little more intense about, I mean, I knew Suwan was going to surprise Gunte, but I think I expected maybe like a Gunte humiliation side to it. I can't remember if I predicted that or not. Uh, I don't think so. What I have written down is the mock battle is a chance to show strength. <laughs> ah, gotcha. So I think you were pretty mild on that. Um, okay. But if you had thought that in your mind, that did not happen. That's fine. Uh, but you did also predict no green dragon, which check that is correct. And also, uh, last week, this was not part of your predictions, but you did say that you didn't really understand what the rock was for at the end, and you were mm-hmm. expecting him to, like, smash it and be like, I have power over you, I can do whatever the fuck I want to. They, The rock did come back, and it was a show of power to be like, look what I can do for you, but it was not smashed. It was, hey, I'm smart enough to get people to want to buy it, to, like give you a boost in your economy so like don't fucking mm-hmm. underestimate me yeah okay funny how that works out funny how that works out yeah so predictions for next week i am it's probably more of a hope than a prediction but i'm hoping we are back to our gang next week and that we finally meet the green dragon and as you know, my predictions on him, I expect him to be the suave, flirty one. And I have changed my prediction for his power back to legs. That's where we're at. Okay. So with that, I think we can say goodbye. We'll see how wrong or how right I am this week. I think I've got more wrongs in the column than rights. So here's to hoping. I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. (laughs) Fuck around and find out. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye.